Welcome to Wine for Normal People, the podcast for people who like wine, but not the snobbery that goes with it. I'm your host, Elizabeth Schneider, author of the Wine for Normal People book and certified wine dork. And I'm MC Ice, just a wine-loving normal person. This podcast is sponsored by Wine Access. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP to see what I'm drinking right now. Fantastic wines. And if it's your first time order, you get 10% off. Listen in the middle of the show for more details. I don't usually do a preface before the shows that I do with MC Ice because we're usually covering everything that we need to cover. But I have things I want to say. First of all, I do want to emphasize that this show, although it is about the formant grape, we are going to mention some things about Tokai, but we will cover Tokai in another podcast to talk about production methods and things like that. So we're going to gloss over that for now and not talk about that in detail in this show. We're really going to try to concentrate on the grape as much as possible with a little bit of detail on Tokai and Tokai winemaking, since that is the main region for formant. Second of all, I do want to do patron shout outs. I'm not going to do a ton of them right now, but I do want to give credit to all of the awesome patrons who have joined recently. So I'm going to do a quick one right now and thank Blake T, Angus W, Shelly S, Jasmine C, Jari, Jen J, Carlotta S, Boris S, Benjamin S, Anna F, Braden A, Eric Y, Jenny B, Matt G Brothers, Lindsay C, Kelly M, Stacy, Stacy B, and L Rich S, Linda M, and Tanya. We will catch up with the rest of the patron shout outs next week or the week after that. And now let's get to the show. The great mini series concentrating on an obscure grape, but it's in a super famous wine. So maybe it's not that obscure. We're back on the great mini series this week with a really easy one that I think everybody's going to know. And I think it's going to be super relatable and nobody's going to learn anything. Great. That was awesome. Thanks. See you next week. Thanks. And with that, this has been, oh, wait. No, 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 no. I picked a weird one this week, and I'm kind of excited about it because an old wine and a new wine is made by this grape. Yeah, that sounds like when I switch from one bottle to another and I mix the wines. Your rosé? Yeah. Patrons regularly discuss your rosé. Like, if we have a hangout, they're they are just constantly jealous. talking about the MCI's rosé. You do realize that. That's like a, it's like a thing on Patreon. I, I know. I'm, I'm essentially a winemaker at this point. It's delicious. I can't and you know what is, what's great about it? Yeah, Every a lot. time it's different. <laughs> yeah. It's rather Every inconsistent. Every time I try it, it's a surprise. Yes, that's, uh, that's something. We are going to do the grape miniseries. And the grape miniseries is not confined just to grapes that are easy. And this will be... It's not just small grapes. This is going to serve as the please do not send me email about my poor Hungarian pronunciation. I'm going to do the best I can. So if you have some skin in the game and you're from Eastern Europe, hey, you know what? I'm doing my best. Yeah, I was going to say, this is not from a lack of effort. I mean, you actually try and you go the Forbo route and you practice. (laughs) I do it, man. But sometimes it just doesn't come out. Today, we are going to talk about the formant grape, but I'm not going to say it like that. I'm going to say formant. Formant is F-U-R-M-I-N-T. Like ferment, yeah. But but it doesn't have anything to do with fermentation. fermentation? No. This is a white grape. It is native to the Tokai wine region of Hungary. There is another half of appended to that is H-E-G-Y. 
A L I A. I yep. have Tokai sounds perfect. Yeah, but we're just going to call it Tokai, Northeastern Hungary. That is where the grape originated. But it has spread a bit throughout Eastern Europe and it's also come to a few other places. It How many thousand a, names does it have then in these not, different countries? Not that many. It makes everything from very dry. Sometimes they're very simple, like a very simple Sauvignon Blanc. Sometimes they're incredibly complex, like a Burgundy. Formant also makes a great wine for sparkling. And the most famous wines that are made from Formant are botrytized wines from Tokai. So Tokai is generally a blended wine. You're not generally going to see 100% formant, but the main grape is this grape. And Tokai is, with Sauternes, the most famous white sweet wine in the world. Even really, I've heard of it. I think everybody who knows anything about any of the sweet wines has heard of Tokai. And it really is identified as Hungary's wine. So if you've heard of Hungarian wine, you've probably heard of two things. One is Tokai, and then the second wine that people have probably heard of in Hungary is Bull's Blood, which is red grapes. I was going to say, probably red, right? Correct. Now, the interesting thing, if you want to talk about pedigree for Formant, a parent of Formant is Gouet Blanc. We have talked about Gouet Blanc many, many times. It's also called Hunisch Weiss. It is the parent of 80 grapes, including Riesling, Gamay, Alagote, Chardonnay. It is the parent of very high quality grapes. The other parent is probably an unknown local grape. We're not sure what it is. Probably it's an extinct grape. Formant is also probably the parent of Harsh Levalu, which is the other grape that is used in Tokai and is also a lovely grape and it can be made as a variety on its own. And the Swiss grape Plancher. Formant has been purposely crossed with a Croatian grape, Malvasia Istarkia, mm -hmm. to make a grape called Vega. Formant has made a number of grapes in Italy, which we don't really associate Hungary and Italy together, but parts of Italy were part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire in mm. northern Italy. Busanello, which was crossed with Riesling Italico, which is not Riesling. Fubiano. Trebbiano with Formant and Zeta in Hungary. It was also crossed with a, a grape called Bouvier or Bouvier. Bouvier. Some people say that it was brought from Italy. There's absolutely no basis for this. There's no relation to any grapes in Italy except for what was crossed when we knew it was being crossed. There's also this region in Croatia which claims Formant and says that it's theirs. Mm -hmm. But all of the evidence points to the fact that it is native to Tokai. And one of the strongest reasons is that the clones, almost all of them, are in Tokai. The genetic diversity is the strongest evidence that Formant has been in the Tokai region mm -hmm. forever. I do want to point out, you may have heard of Tokai Friuliano, which is Sauvignon Vert. Not related. Tokai was a name that was also put on Pinot Gris in Alsace. And he was great in Star Trek. <laughs> George That's funny. Tukai. I know yes. George. Okay. I wonder if he ever drank Tokai. I don't know. So wait a minute. One, do you know Marge Simpson's maiden name? Was it Tokai? Bouvier. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. I do remember that. Two, yes. That's a dog also, by the way. Oh, yes, it is. Two, am I supposed to be here for this podcast? Because a sweet white wine? Am I going to contribute anything? Yeah, you are. Because when Just you try other than this... Well, when you try this, what you'll see is that I think that the best description that I have read of Tokai is that it is 
a wine of terroir that just happens to have sugar in it. And the, the reason that people say that is because it has so much acidity that the finish of it is generally so clean that you really get to taste other things besides just sugar, although the residual sugar in Tokai can be high. But there are also many, many dry wines these days of the Fortermint grape. It is not just a sweet wine, and that's really why I want to draw attention to the grape, because the dry Fortermints are sort of like the sweet ones without the sugar, and I think that that is incredibly appealing to people. But it's a relatively new creation, and we'll talk about that. You just gave me a sip, and you aren't kidding about the acid. Not Very in a negative high. way, no. but it just makes the finish so clean. Yes. And it's a nice juxtaposition to the sweetness you get from the initial flavor. It's a little surprising. Yes. This is the thing about this grape. So it is early flowering, which is always terrible for spring frosts. It's late ripening, which makes sense. The dry wines are harvested in September. Sounds but the high maintenance. The sweet wines are going to be harvested in late October or later if you want botrytis on them, right. which is the wine that we're drinking actually does not have botrytis. How can you tell? What does the botrytis add to the flavor? It has honey notes, apricot notes. It gives this kind of waxy texture to the wine, mm -hmm. a completely different experience from late harvest, which is a really nice sweeter style, you have the grape in its purest form without the botrytis. Now, the botrytis is really what makes these wines so incredible, the Tokai Azu, which is the botrytized wines. But the late harvest wines can also be really delightful, as can the dry wines. These are medium-sized, loose, long clusters with pretty thick-skinned berries. This is a perfect thing for botrytis. The skins are enough to hold up for botrytis. Now, the problem is, even though it's thick-skinned, it can also be attacked by downy and powdery mildew, which are not good and do nothing for the grapes. So that's but a bit of a But if they're loose bunches, hazard. isn't it less susceptible to that? It is still susceptible to it just because the grape itself is susceptible to it. But okay. yes, it's less susceptible to the spread. So if a viticulturist can come and see that the downy mildew is there, they can take care of it more quickly. Thick skins also means the wine actually has tannin. So it is a white mm. grape that's going to have tannin because the skins are so thick. And it also, as you just experienced, has really high acidity. Mm -hmm. And it can, and they have to be careful about this, it can tend to high alcohol. But all of these things, the fact that it has tannin and acidity and it's got alcohol, which can give it body, make it really versatile. So Fortermint is a really interesting grape. And the final really great thing about it Besides the fact that it is pretty drought tolerant, so we might see it in more places going forward, mm -hmm. is that it is very sensitive to terroir. The flavors change completely based on the site. Ugh, Depending, does that mean I have to know something before I buy it? You do. Oh, jeez. All right. Generally speaking, relatively full-bodied because there's alcohol here. With very high acidity. Like when you say some alcohol, you're not talking a 10, 11%, more like. Well, the wine we're drinking 13? is about 11%. Okay. But yes, you're going to see 13% okay. alcohol. Minerality is a big one. So dustiness or chalkiness, rockiness, like gravel, stuff like that. 
the grape itself is going to give you some really great flavors. We'll talk about that when we talk about the styles. But formant also can be blended with other varieties. So Harsh Levelu is its most prominent partner. But also, I'm not going to say it in Hungarian, but there is a Muscat Blanc Petit Grand. We've done a show on that grape. That is the main grape for sweet wines in Vendu Naturel in France. It's a very high quality Muscat, and it's also grown here and blended. And like I said, formant can go from bone dry to very, very sweet. Given what I've just said about the grape, it's actually not very easy to make a good dry wine from formant because most white grapes don't have thick skins like that. So now you have phenolics that you have to be careful about. You got to make sure that it's not astringent. Right. Is it it harder to press? I haven't read anything about that. I don't know. Hmm. But you do have to keep the yields relatively low so that you make sure that you can keep a handle on how thick the skins get and they don't get out of control. Malolactic fermentation in formant can actually, according to some people, cause the wine to age more quickly. It can taste stale and old if you do mallow. And so a lot of people decide not to do that. And then you're dealing with the problem of, okay, well, it would be great to soften the acidity, but you can't do it through malolactic because it doesn't do great things for the wine longer term. And then you have oaky wines sometimes and really simple wines. So let's just talk about the styles. In a lot of styles of dry formant, they might leave a touch of residual sugar in those dry wines because the acidity is so high. So you have your everyday dry formant that's fermented and aged in stainless steel. These are high in acid. They're sometimes blended with harsh levelu and then the local grape Olas Riesling which will tame the acidity a little bit. These wines from stainless steel are sometimes off dry, but if they are dry, they tend to be very simple and with like citrus and green apple and minerally notes. However, they can also- Like Pinot Grigio simple? They can be like Pinot Grigio simple or or if grown on the right sides, they can be like Chablis, which is not simple at all. It just depends. These wines that are stainless steel aged, and again, a lot of times the winemakers will put it on the notes because they know that people are concerned about buying a grape that they've never heard of. So you can find the winemaker notes fairly easily. You want to serve this a little bit colder. So 46 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit or 8 to 10 degrees Celsius. And you want to serve them with mild cheeses and pastas and salads and things like that. Same thing that you'd serve basically Sauvignon Blanc with, fish and citrus sauces. Then you have really pretty serious barrel-aged formant, and some of these are from single vineyards. This is where formant gets really interesting because I've emphasized a number of times that it's going to express terroir depending on where it is grown. So you can get very complex wines. Some of them are more than 100 euro. And more than just barrel aging, which is what they generally have, you can have Lees stirring or botanage, the dead yeast cells, it's going to break up and cause nuttiness and breadiness. Like it's like a smoked nut note and it's going to calm the acidity and add creaminess and body and soften the texture and flavor. So some of those are pear-like or peachy with smoke and lime notes. And then you can age them. They can age for a decade or so. When you think about pairings, you're going to want to think about what does oaky Chardonnay go with? Not super oaky. They don't emphasize new oak, but things like creamy risotto and pastas with cream sauces and soups and chicken and poultry. Oh, and you didn't want like to that. hear my answer to that. Yeah, I know what your answer to that is, <laughs> but you are very misguided on Chardonnay. 
I'm coming around. I mean, the producers are coming around to make I them mean, less I mean, you don't drink enough white burgundy. <laughs> and then the, there's another style, which is the locals wine. And a lot of times that, I think, to our palate would seem rather oxidized. Mm-hmm. We probably would not like that as much. That's another style. It's almost like sherry because there's so much oh oxygen. Gosh. Yeah, they okay. haven't. It tastes like a old apple or... Orange, yeah. There's also sparkling, right? High acid wine with some really nice flavors. You can make fantastic sparkling wine out of it. Sparkling? Absolutely. If you think about the Chardonnays that are used in sparkling wine, you have very high acidity. Formant is a great grape for sparkling. And then you have your sweet styles. We're going to talk about that more when we talk about Tokai. Botrytis in the Azu wines in Tokai and some other places are going to provide those apricot, peach, honeyed, waxy notes. People actually have duck and roasted meats with these kinds of wines because the sugar adds a really interesting note to it. And also the botrytis flavors. You know, we need to get beyond just, okay, sweet wines are for dessert because they're definitely not, especially Tokai. Let's talk about where it's grown. We're going to talk about outside of Hungary first, and then we'll get to Tokai and the other places. New World. I had read that this grape is grown in South Africa. And while that may be true, I could not find one example anywhere of a wine that was being made with formant in South Africa. And how do you know that it's made in South Africa? Because one wine expert said that it was made in South Africa, and then everybody copied that, and you see it all over the place. And yet, if you go and look anywhere, you will be hard-pressed to find anything in South Africa. It may be local, and someone may write me and say, yes, there is a formant. I'm just going to tell you, I couldn't find it. Sounds but like a what I could find, what I could find was in Napa, the Caps Candy family does make 100% formant. And actually, you will find one in the Buena Vista winery in Sonoma, but theirs is from Hungary because it's oh, a wow. nod to their founder, yeah. Hargacy, who was Hungarian. Slovenia. Slovenia is the second biggest formant planting after Hungary, and it's known as Sipon. And the reason it's known as Sipon, and I think that's how you say it, is that it is a nickname that Napoleon's soldiers gave to Formant. C.S. Bon. It's good. Sipon. And so they still call it that. Oh, that's nice. Kind of fun. It grows along the Podravina River in the Styria region. They make some dry versions. They make some sweet Tokai-like styles. In Slovenia, which you will find, like many of their whites, Slovenia, probably, in my opinion, one of the most underrated places for white wines right now. Formant is minerals, herbs, tropical notes, floral notes. It's going to vary based on terroir. Also, winemaking. Did they do lazy aging? Did they do oak? Did they do stainless steel? That's Slovenia. Croatia, they call it Moslavak. It almost is always dry. So if you see a Moslavak, mostly it is a dry style. It is not a whole lot of wine in Croatia. We're talking about a thousand acres or 420 hectares in the Moslavina region in Zagreb. They also make sparkling and they blend it with Chardonnay and Pinot Blanc. Slovakia, they actually also have a region called Tokai and they make sweet wines there. Formant is in Serbia. You see a little bit in Romania. Austria. Austria has a very small quantity of formant. It is 0.1% of plantings around Lake Nudsel and around the town of Rust. Osprach wine. That is their local specialty. Sweet wines made with botrytis. 
You need a good vineyard that's warm. If you want botrytis, you have to have some wet weather, which is the humidity from Lake Nutzel. Got it. This week, I'm going to give you my top five reasons why I love Wine Access and why you should go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP, wineaccess.com slash WFMP to get 10% off your first order. My top five. One, I can tell you every wine is clearly picked out by an expert because there are no bad wines. They're all completely typical of what they should be, and they don't have any of these junky producers where they're getting it on some sort of fire sale clearance. They only pick the best wines. Two, they also give you the best materials. They give you enough information, but not too much on the wine. It is materials for normal people. So things you might want to know, like serving temperatures and pairings and a little bit about the wine and the winery. Three, they treat you like gold. The experience from ordering, signing up, and receiving the package is awesome. They have a never settle guarantee. You don't like the wine? They'll credit the bottle. Four, they have a $150 free shipping threshold. It is not hard to get to $150. That's six bottles of a $25 wine and much less of other more expensive wines, or you can do a combination of a bunch. And they've got a buy and hold feature where you get a month to figure out what you want to order, $150 free shipping. That is going to save you a lot of money. And my number five reason, which I really think is the most important, is that Wine Access is truly invested in you as a customer, in you as a Wine for Normal People listener, and your peers love Wine Access. Both my friends who work with them on the producer side and all of the listeners I hear from say how great Wine Access is. I want you to get the best wines that you possibly can at great prices, and Wine Access provides that experience. Go to wineaccess.com slash WFMP to get 10% off your first order. Remember these five things. They are all about fantastic wines and fantastic service. Do it today. Also, patreon.com slash wine for normal people. Don't miss out on the community experience. You get a fantastic community of fun, of joy, and escape from maybe some of the more serious things in your life. The Wine for Normal People Patreon page is more than just a page. We do live events. We are constantly thinking of new things and doing new things and having great conversations. It is a community of really fun people where you can leave all the serious and heavy stuff behind and just have a nice conversation about wine. Patreon.com slash wine for normal people. And another way to have a great time with our community is wineforNormalPeople.com slash classes. They are packed with detail. It's like a live podcast. And if you are really, truly interested in learning more about wine, take a class. They're about two hours long with a community and you will have a ton of fun at the end. We usually wind up hanging out. MC Ice is always in and around the classes. So you'll get to see him and meet him too. wineforNormalPeople.com slash classes. And now let's get back to the show. Hungary. I mean, this is really where most formant is. It's found in a bunch of different wine regions, but there's not that much formant in the world, period. There's less than 10,000 acres or 3,950 hectares of formant growing in Hungary. And that is the biggest amount of plantings. So this is not a very widely planted grape, but it is super famous for what it is. Most formant plantings are in the Tokai region. The Somlo region is pretty big also, and then there's some on the northern shore of Lake Balaton. Lake Balaton is the largest lake in Central Europe. Balaton, very complex, covers a lot of different regions. 
The climate, you have humidity and cooler summers, very distinctive mesoclimates, volcanic soils, hmm. basalt and limestone, loess, which is windblown soil, which you'll find a lot in Austria, dolomite sands, Pannonian sand, so lots of different soils in the Balaton region. And within that, you have Badascany, which is a volcanic butte that's on the northern shore of Lake Balaton, formed by a lot of different volcanic eruptions. And you have a sub-Mediterranean climate, which is so weird because most of everything here is continental, south-facing slopes, heat's reflected from Lake Balaton, and formant is very round and soft. All right. I think I know, but what's a butte? It's like a hill that's by itself that's very steep and has a flat top. It's like a smaller version of a plateau. It's like a mini, just like whoop, and then it's got a flat top. Okay. It's like a table. Yeah, like Kid and Play from the 80s. I was thinking about Kid and Play also. I'm not going to lie. Yes, that is that would be an example of a butte. Yep, good. Hair. Is that why they call it a beauty salon? Wah, wah, wah. Okay. Somlo is not a butte, but it's this hill that kind of rises out of nowhere. It's also a volcanic hill. It's on the east. So this is still considered part of the larger Balaton region. There's a few different areas to Somlo, but Somlo Hill is a solitary hill. You have some lake deposits, clay and marl and sandstone, and this volcanic soil. So all of these different types of soils in Somlo are going to give you different flavors in the format. The vines go up to 350 meters or 1150 feet, and the microclimate's really good for vines on Somlo. Before Phylloxera, 30 different grapes grew on some low. And then after phylloxera, they just replanted really with formant and harsh levelu and Oles Riesling, which is a local variety. Very cool about some low. Let me just tell you a couple things. King Stephen I founded the Benedictine convent there in 1010. Mm-hmm. Wine made from 1135 wow. on the hill of some low. The wine was sold in pharmacies on doctor's orders because it was supposed to have healing power. Oh, my God. I need to go to that doctor. They also call it wedding night wine. In European monarch tradition, they would consume Somlo on their wedding night to ensure that the heir to the throne would be a boy. What? I'm just telling you. That's why. Who knew it had magical powers like that? I'm telling you. So if you can get a bottle of Somlo, go for it. There actually is some Somlo sold in the U.S. and in the U.K. The formant here can be really terroir dependent because volcanic wine in this concentration, you're going to find salty, minerally type wines. And then coupled with the great acidity, sometimes they'll even throw in some botrytized grapes in there to give it some extra flavor. Yep. The hallmark of a Sumlo wine is that they do oak age it. So it Hmm. often has a softer body. It's not overpowering. But again, if you think about the high acidity in this wine, it might need a little bit of oak or lee stirring or something to bring that level into balance so it's not completely out of balance. Right. And that's what the oak and the somlo formant does. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about Tokai. This is not a podcast on Tokai. It is a podcast about formant, but they are tied together. So Tokai is the most famous form of formant, is what you're saying. It is. Okay, if I'm buying it here, can I tell whether it's sweet or dry? Yes. How? So if it's sweet, it's going to either say late harvest or it will say Tokai Azu. And then it will have something called the Putonios, which is the sweetness level. 
in the Azu. And it will be in the dessert wine section. And it does not come in a 750 milliliter bottle. These are either 500 milliliters or smaller. If you want the dry wine, it's going to come in a regular bottle size. It's pretty easy to tell. They've been very, very good about labeling them dry formant. Okay. Tokai will be the region of origin, but it won't look like a bottle of sweet wine. And you will know if it's a bottle of sweet wine. It will also be very expensive because these wines are hard to make. Tokai is in the northeast part of Hungary. It's at the foot of the Carpathian Mountains. It is bordered by a couple of hills, Sator Hill, Kopas Hill. And then there are two rivers, the Tica and the Bodrog. And these rivers are essential. You need the humidity from the rivers for botrytis. Tokai is in the shadow of the Zemplen Mountains. It actually once belonged to Transylvania. The Habsburgs owned estates in Tokai. It's been a famous area for a long time. Hungary has about almost 10,000 acres of formant. And formant in Tokai is 8,800 of those acres. Most of the formant in Hungary is found in Tokai. The history is really interesting because in the mid-16th century, the population of Tokai, which is this very remote village, frankly, Mm -hmm were forced to flee because the Turkish Ottoman Empire was invading and there were unpicked grapes when this happened. It was in the fall. One priest, legend says, remained and hid in the cellars beneath the vineyard. And would come out late at night and harvest the grapes? No, there were people there. When he finally, after, after they moved on, he came out and the grapes had already shriveled on the vines. But he decided to make wine from them anyway And they were like honeyed apricots because they had botrytis. The story of botrytis is always one of mistakes because you get this similar story. Most of the greatest inventions are from mistakes. So I think we shouldn't be afraid to make mistakes. I guess that's the bottom line. And that's one to grow on. And that's one to grow on. There you go. This happened. And then by the late 1500s, the production methods and special vineyards in Tokai were already venerated. I think what's really interesting is the modern history, though. Soviet control of Hungary came with communism. Hungary was clearly a satellite country. And to feed the masses in the Soviet Union, producers were forced to make this very cheap, sticky wine mass produced. And it was not good. The higher end producers were allowed to continue because Tokai for centuries had been this status product mm-hmm. of Hungary. And you certainly don't, if you're the Soviet Union, want that to go away because you can tax the hell Cash out of it. Cash cow. Right. It's status. But when communism fell, Western wine companies said, hey, we know one region in Hungary and mm-hmm. that is Tokai. And we're going to go in there and invest. They invested in the vineyards and in improving Was the it cellars. From America or everywhere. Western Europe? Or? West, mostly Western Europe, okay. but yes, everywhere. And rather than do what has happened in many places, they actually encouraged the local expertise. And they said, we want you to make the wine because we don't know what to do. So you do what you need to do and we'll, we'll be the money people. Yep. Now, in 2000, there was a Tokai winemaker, Istvan Sepsi, and he experimented with making a dry wine from Formant, from a vineyard that he really, really liked. And I know I'm going to botch this, but it's Uragua, which is in the wine village of Mad or Mad. It was made on a fluke. He was going to make Azu, which is the botrytized wine, mm-hmm. but there weren't enough grapes from this particular vineyard. So he made this dry wine and it was very well received. 
And then in 2003, he had his own estate and he decided that one of his parcels really wasn't great for sweet wine production. And so he made dry wine of formant and people loved it. Hmm. And 2003 is really looked on as the big turning point for dry formant. Climate change has given an assist because with summers, it's hotter and drier. And the vintages with botrytis have declined. There used to be about six in 10, and now there's about three in 10 where you can get reliable botrytis. You can still get a little bit, and some people will make a bit here and there, but there have been some vintages where there's barely any wine. Today, about half the grapes are used for dry formant, half are left in hopes of botrytis, but there's a lot of late harvest wine. You're not always going to get Azu wine. Where does formant grow in Tokai? The vineyards are on volcanic rock. So if you have formant, really, it seems as though volcanic rock is where you're going to really need to grow it to get very high quality. Maybe that's some of the hesitation of people growing it elsewhere because you really need to have a very specialized condition to do this. I don't think of Hungary having a lot of volcanic rock. Well, I just told you. I would not have guessed that. Tokai is not flat from about 100 to 300 meters or about 325 to almost 1,000 feet above sea level. Steep slopes. It can be very hard to cultivate. Continental, but there's a lot of microclimates. Most vineyards are the south or southeast facing for now. And that's going to protect from the cool weather coming from the north, long summers and humid autumn weather in certain areas, which is going to give you noble rot. These rivers are just so essential because you're not going to get botrytis without them. Every type of soil in Tokai is going to give you something different. The volcanic activities from about 15 million years ago, different types of rock, basalt, and then you have sand and silica and potassium-rich and sodium-rich soil from hot springs that are Mm -hmm. around here, mineral-rich. They're layered. They're well-drained. There are three really great soils for formant in Tokai. The first one is called Nirok. Nirok? N-Y-I-R-O-K. You put George Tokai in my head. Now I'm thinking that this also sounds like some creature from Star Trek. Thank oh, you. my, that's perfect. Right? No, that's great. Now that like, I might actually remember that now. That is Nirok? Nirok. Like Leonard Nimoy rocks? I no, don't know. I, it's just some like rock creature down on the planet where they, see that, send, right? where they send the new cast member to get killed. Yes. Right? Nirok, or however you say this, is clay mixed with broken rock. It makes very complex wines. So it's great for formant. It has a sort of a reddish tint from iron, lots of organic stuff in the soil. So that is the best quality for formant. Formant also does very well on loess. You're going to get some blending with loam and fossilized soils, and those make really ripe and floral wines. And then you have what they call rock flower. I didn't get the name in Hungarian for that, but this is a thin, powdery silica and pumice from volcanic hmm. decay. It's less good than the knee rock and the loess. They do have flatter valleys, and that's where you're going to get some of the cheap stuff, where there's loam and deposits. The dry wines are going to be what we described before. So they can be oak aged, they can be sparkling, somewhere in between from Tokai. They tend to be very steely, minerally. They have a saline quality, almost a salty quality. They can be like pumice, you know, that Hmm. ashy note. Pear, toasted nuts, especially if they've had lees stirring. Apple notes, the oaked ones tend to pick up spicy notes plus creaminess. Sounds like it'd be great with seafood. Yes. The thing about the dry vineyards is that 2003 was the turning point. So they've only really been concentrating on 
dry wines of Fortament for 20 years. And what they had to realize is that there's different vineyard management for healthy grapes versus botrytized ones. They had to work on that because for the longest time, all Tokai was was sweet wines. These grapes have to be harvested at full maturity, but without botrytis. Hmm. So it's a big learning curve for, for a lot of people there. And the wines right now are really quite good, but they stand to get better and better from Tokai because oh, there's all these single vineyards and things. So the late harvest, like what we're drinking now is a late harvest wine. It is not a botrytized wine. The botrytized wine will say Tokai Azu. This is the embodiment of Hungary. This is when we talk when we talk about Tokai, we're not talking about the late harvest, we're talking about the Azu. Azu are the berries, the concentrated botrytized grapes. The thing about Tokai versus a lot of other wines is that because of everything I talked about in the different soil types, you're not going to get equal quality from all the wines. And single vineyards are going to be more common because they are so different depending on where you make the wine. So they make Tokai, they individually pick every single Asu berry. According to the Wines of Hungary site, Mm -hmm. the Asu berries are picked by women. I'm not really sure what that's about, but apparently they say they are picked by women over several weeks. Because women can multitask better than men. Okay. And then they're stored in vats with a hole in the bottom until the end of harvest. They squeeze the juice out of those berries, and that is called essenzia or essence. Hmm. That drips out through a hole in those vats. Then they return it to the already fermenting azu grapes. So they will take very, very concentrated flavors, and they will put it back into the azu, they can make wines just of essencia, botrytized berries that they have let sit for a while. That's super expensive and very rare. They will age the wine after it's fermented in oak. They are required to age for 18 months. There's some microoxygenation, again, softening any potential tannins from the fermented skin and the acidity. What you get after you make the wine is this really acidic wine that happens to be sweet. It's a wine of terroir that happens to contain sugar, which is why people love Tokai. That's the difference between Tokai and a lot of other sweet wine in the world. It actually tastes different depending on where it's grown. And it is a very specialized wine. And it's not the same everywhere. And it's not the same every year. Not homogenous at all. Not at all. That's the asu, that is the sweet wine. But I do want to emphasize, because most of us drink dry wine and we're not going to be drinking sweet Tokai, that the dry wines are really, really great. And a lot of them are very, very affordable. You will see them from Slovenia, you will see them from Croatia, and you will mostly see them from Hungary. Producers like Barta, Karpinis, Sepsi, Disnoko, Gran Tokai, There's a bunch of producers that are out there, and you're going to find that these wines, you're going to have to seek them out. You're going to have to look for them, but they are really delicious. Dry formant, especially in summertime and especially with food, is a really delightful wine. If you're looking for something apart from the norm, or you're somebody who likes white wines with a bit more complexity or something that's got a little more flavor, those oak aged versions are excellent. Tokai is obviously one of the great wines of the world, but Formant is the grape that makes it. And I think that with the increased interest in dry Formant, 
this could be a grape, especially with the drought tolerance, that we are going to need to start looking for a bit more. Okay, where else do you see it being able to grow as the climate changes? They're already growing at Napa. Right. I could see formant being one of these really amazing experimental whites that people start finding are going to work in some of the warmer climates. Because when it's made well, it can taste like Chablis, or it can Mm. taste like Burgundy, or it can taste like Riesling. It has a lot of the characteristics Mm -hmm. of whites that people really like. It's just been imprisoned a bit for two reasons. One, it makes this very famed and coveted sweet wine. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing. So the image was always that formant was for that. Second thing is that for 50 years of Soviet rule, there was no development of it at all. And even in Austria, it was in an area where no real exciting stuff was going on because Bergenland, which is where Rust is, didn't have a whole lot of development. I do think that Austria has potential Mm. to do something with the formant grape because they already grow it and these producers already know it, but they're making it a sweet wine, a traditional sweet wine out of it. Mm. But I think that in the new world, there are a lot of places that could think about growing it. But it's scary. If the grape was called Tokai, then Mm -hmm. people might be more likely to grow it. But formant is tough, and you've got to educate people in order to sell it. That's the hitch with it. So it's suffering from a branding problem. Well, it's benefiting from that branding because it it is the main grape in Tokai. But it is also something that I don't know that growers are necessarily looking at because they think, oh, well, that's a sweet wine grape. But they don't think of Semillon like that, and they don't think of Sauvignon Blanc like that, which are used in Sauternes. Mm-hmm. Feel that maybe it might be time for a shift, and certainly it's happening in Hungary. For the last 20 years, we've seen this. I don't know what's going to happen, but it does seem to me that it could be ripe for a little bit of a change. I just wanted to cover it because I do think it's an important grape. And I think that as we're looking at different varieties that make some of the great wines of the world, but also are doing some different things, Formant definitely fits that bill. Formant, I would have categorized as completely obscure, but now knowing that it's really the foundation of Tokai, I guess I need to rethink my labeling. I think that if you saw it now, you might have some recollection of that's a grape that makes really great wine. That's a a grape of one of the great wines of the world. Right. But I also didn't realize that they made dry versions of it too. And I'm kind of excited to try some of that. They're very, very good. Mm -hmm. And I think they're only going to get better. I'm glad that I hit the right note because Mm -hmm. that was my point. My point is it's not as obscure as you think because I think most people know Tokai, that it's very famous and it's been famous for a long time. And if you know anything about Hungarian wine, the immediate thought should be Tokai. Formant is the grape of it. And there's dry versions available. So give it a try. As these producers are trying to do different things, we definitely should support them. So that's Yeah, it's an exciting time for that. It is. And with that, this has been another episode of Wine for Normal People. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. 